Good morning, everyone. Stand with us this morning as we open in worship. Sing that great old hymn, To God Be the Glory. Sing it out this morning. To God be the glory, great things He has done. So loved He the world that He gave us His Son, who yielded His life and atonement for sin, and opened the life gate that all may go in. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear His voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son, and give Him the glory, great things He has done. Oh, perfect redemption, the purchase of blood, to every believer the promise of God, the vilest offender who truly believes that moment of Jesus pardon receives. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear His voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son and give Him the glory, great things He has done. Great things He has taught us, great things He has done, and great our rejoicing through Jesus the Son. But purer and higher and greater will be our wonder, our transport, when Jesus we see. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear His voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son, and give Him the glory, great things He has done. And give Him the glory, great things He has done. We have someone AWOL this morning, I guess he's still teaching. Now, so I'm on. Hey, good morning, Sunset Hills. It's so good to see you here this morning. Has it been a good week for you? Has it been a bad week for you? Sounds like maybe I'm not sure that you know exactly what happened. And, but if it's been a bad week for you, then, man, we just will be praying for you that this week is going to be best, better than this last. If it was a good week, you know what we should be? Thankful that it was, right? So good to see you. If today's your first time to be at Sunset Hills, thank you for coming this way. I hear kids in the lobby. Do you? Isn't that a good sound? I hear them out there. They're excited to be here, and I hope you are as well. If you would, if this is your first time, take a moment to, uh, you can text hi to that number that's on the screen. Let us know who you are. Or you can do it by going out to our welcome center out there and um, take a moment to fill out just a few little things about who you are. We would be happy to get in touch with you and tell us more, tell you more about who we are as a church. I'm glad to see you this morning. Glad to see each other. You glad to see each other? Yes. Well, just turn around and tell somebody you're glad to see them. Glad to see you. I'm so 
I sought the Lord, and He heard, 
Lord, we are so grateful that, God, we're the beneficiaries of, of everything that God belongs to you. And, Lord, I just pray that you're pleased, Lord, with our praise this morning, that, God, it wouldn't be anything else other than us just being grateful. Lord, just with hearts of gratitude to say, Lord, you are worthy of all this praise. God, every breath that we breathe belongs to you, God. So Lord, let us never take for granted your blessings, your gift, and your favor, God. Lord, there's gonna come a day that your word says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that you are Lord. Lord, I long for that day. Lord, I long for the day that Lord, that I get to be with folks that have gone on before me, loved ones and, and friends and family. But God, most of all, Lord, get to look your son Jesus in the face. Lord, and just say thank you. Thank you for the gift of eternity. Lord, thank you for the gift of life. Lord, until that day, we're gonna do our best, Lord, just to lift your name up and live a, a life worthy of the calling here. Lord, as we enter this time of worship through spoken word, Lord, ignite our hearts and, and bring us alive, Lord, to wanna be our best version of, of ourselves that you've made us to be, you've created us to be, Lord. Not because of us, not because of, of, of what it'll do for us, but God, that we can just give you more and more glory. Be with us now, God, if there's one here that's never, never surrendered their life to your Lordship. Lord, let today be their day of victory. Lord, let, let today be their day to say yes. In your son Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated today. So listening to the worship team this morning, warming up, getting ready for our time together. I told him that's uh, that's close to being pretty good, and I think you moved a notch higher than that this morning. Thank you for leading us in song and worship. In the land book, in the landmark book, D Day, June 6, 1944, Arthur. Stephen E. Ambrose tells the story of Sergeant Elmo Jones of the 82nd Airborne Division. Elmo Jones was a staff sergeant in charge of a Pathfinder team for the 82nd 1st Battalion, 505th Parachute Infantry Regiment. At the start of the war, Landing airborne soldiers in the correct location in the dark was a great challenge. Many were lost. 
and landed in the wrong places. To solve the problem, the military created what became known as the Pathfinders. Pathfinders were small groups of specially trained paratroopers who would go in and jump ahead of the rest of the force. Once on the ground, the job of the Pathfinder was to mark correct zones with signal beacons or flares or special lanterns that would be visible from the air. These men would literally light the way, allowing pilots and paratroopers to see where to jump and where they needed to land. But the division, before the division could jump, Jones and other soldiers had to parachute into the middle of great hostility. So the 82nd dropped behind them elite lines about 1.30 a.m. on June 6. Immediately they were surrounded and outnumbered and deep behind the Nazi lines. Jones and his squad members were charged with that task to secure the area and illuminate the work, the, the drop zones for the other arriving 20,000 Allied paratroopers who would jump within the hour. These teams of pathfinders from the 505th set up lights and they did what they were told to do and they set up uh, tracking, radar tracking systems for the other planes to follow. Jones himself carried an automatic direction finder which he used to send the soldiers' locations back to the planes. Other paratroopers carried other heavy tr radar transmitters, and they would send out signals that would be picked up by what was called Rebecca on the transport planes, bringing the rest of the paratroopers in. It was said that during the flight from England to France, Jones bowed his head and prayed. He said, if he died, his prayer was, help me die like a man. He told the Fayetteville Observer in April 1994 interview of what he prayed. This man would go on and win three silver stars, two bronze stars, the, gold, the good medal conduct, the Good Conduct Medal, the Presidential Unit Citation, and the Grosbeek Holland Medal, the Netherlands' highest military honor. Jones, along with three, nearly 300 other Pathfinders, took part in a pre-invasion that would eventually begin to turn the tide of the war for the Allied soldiers and allow them to win. It was said of their efforts, in the midst of darkness, in chaos, fear, and danger, light provided a way for others to head in the right direction. And that's what the Christian is supposed to do. The Christian is to be such a light. In many ways, we're called to be spiritual pathfinders, pointing others to Jesus Christ in this dark and dangerous world where it's so easy for people to begin to follow the wrong path 
and end up far from God. Jesus told us to do this. He tells us in the great Sermon on the Mount, you are the light of the world. A city cannot, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people put a light uh, and put it under, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand. And what does it do? It gives light to everyone in the house in the same way. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good do deeds and praise your Father in heaven. In these rather few, short, yet profound verses, Jesus calls us to be incredible light within the community, within the culture. He says that we're to be visible. He says we're to shine brightly. He says that we're to illuminate the world. Not with our glory, but with His, His love. We've been in a series the last couple of weeks where we've been talking about the path. A statement that I made in each of my two sermons so far in this series is very much true. Recognizing the right path is not always easy. In fact, straight from the path can be Two statements, one I used for the last two weeks, and one I said last week, and both of these statements are very much true. It's true for both the believer and the unbeliever. But there's a huge difference where the path of the unbeliever takes you when he or she decides to reject Jesus Christ, and that path will lead to hell. And on the other hand, the path for the believer, the one who accepts that Jesus died on the cross for his or her sins, where that path leads you is to glory with Christ forever. Two distinct, different eternal paths. So if you accepted Jesus as your Savior and Lord, you're on the right path to heaven. Even though you may stray, you're still on the right path. On the other hand, unrepentant and unbelieving people are on a path that leads to eternal separation from God in that place called hell. Certainly, not what God wants, for He wants everyone to be saved. This is precisely the reason that Jesus came to this earth so that we would not receive eternal damnation and have to be sent to that very place. And if you found the path that led you to Jesus, you've received the greatest gift that could ever be shared with you you become a part of the kingdom of God. And Jesus likened it unto a treasure. Again, he says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold 
all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a, a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. We who are believers, we have discovered a great treasure. It's like a merchant finding those fine pearls so valuable that they would sacrifice everything they had to go and buy so it would be theirs. It should be a discovery in our lives that affects us so much that we can't hide it. You, we, we're the light of the world. Three prospectors found a rich gold vein during the California gold rush. They realized that they had found what would make them all very rich. They agreed to tell no one about it and what they had found, but they would first go into town, stake their claim, purchase the supplies that they needed, and, and return to dig up their treasure. While none of the prospectors told anyone about what they had found, when they left the town, a crowd of people started following them to their claim because the smile on their face was so great and the joy in their eyes, all of that had given them away. They couldn't keep what they found to themselves. And in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus teaches us, that we have a responsibility to do something with the treasure that we found. Jesus calls us to be the light of the world, beacons of his love, to bring hope and healing through our actions and to be instruments of his grace where into this broken world. In a sense, we're to be pathfinders in the dark world. You probably figured out by now, you probably know this, the world loves darkness. The world loves deeds of darkness. The world loves and practices darkness. The deeds of darkness are of self and flesh, and it surrounds us. It's like we have jumped into the enemy's camp. Fanny Crosby who wrote so many wonderful hymns, was able to sum it up. The desperation of mankind's sin and explain the church's responsibilities. She said, pen the words in a song called Rescue the Perishing. And I want you to hear, we don't sing it much in churches, we should. It's a, it's a call to arms, call to action for the church because it goes like this, listen. Rescue the perishing, care for the dying. Snatch them in pity from where sin and the grave. Weep, weep o'er the erring ones. Lift up the fallen, tell them of Jesus, the mighty to save. You know the, how the chorus goes? Rescue the perishing, care for the dying. Jesus is what? Merciful. Jesus will save. She goes on and writes, 
though they are slighting him, still he is waiting, wanting the penitent child to receive. Plead with them earnestly, plead with them gently. He will forgive if only believe down in the human heart, crushed by the tempter. Feelings lie buried that grace can restore. Touched by a loving heart, wakened by kindness, chords that were broken will vibrate once more. She ends it with this. Rescue the perishing. Duty. Duty. Whose? Ours. Duty demands it. Strength for thy labor the Lord will provide. Back to the narrow way. Patiently win them. Tell the poor wanderer the Savior has died. You know the chorus? Sing it with me. Rescue the perishing, care for the dying. Jesus is merciful, Jesus will save. This world needs Christian pathfinders that reflect the true light of Christ. We're here for a purpose, to help others. With a purpose to light the path for others, we're called to serve Him, to share Him, to find commitment in Him. And how do we do this? <clears throat> by being the light of the world, by being visible representations of His love and His grace. I don't quote C.H. Spurgeon much, but I think this really explains it well. Genuine faith in Christ turns a man from darkness to marvelous light and transforms him into light. Then his aims, objects, his desires, his speech, his actions become full of divine light which illuminates all the chambers of his soul and then pours forth from the window so as to be seen by men. The believer is a lighthouse to others, a cheering lamp, a guiding star. His brightness depended on and deepens in Christ. The world looks into to the light before the knowledge. God made his disciples as a light for three reasons. Firstly, light gives light givers ward off evil. Secondly, it bestows upon them many benefits. And thirdly, it has an encouraging aspect toward the light receivers. So the question I have for you this morning, are you reflecting Christ? through your life? Are you like a pathfinder for others? Jesus uses this incredible image that calls us to stand tall and shine brightly, illuminating the world with his love. It's not a passive role, but an active one, and it requires us to step out of our comfort zones to become visible and to make a difference to those around us. 
Let me break this down a bit, some of what he was talking about, and give you some things that we should understand, not that you all don't already know these, but let me emphasize them to you again. First, we need to understand any light that we have, any light that the church has, it's not our own. It's light of Christ. His love, His grace, His mercy that is so freely given to us, in turn, we're to share it and be a reflection of it to others. We're not the source of light, but merely the reflectors. And our role is to allow Christ's love to shine through us, to allow his light to permeate us, that it can't help but spill over into the lives of others. And secondly, we're to allow the Christ's light to shine through us. If we're going to do that, we must first let it shine in us. You can't shine Christ's light until it shines through you. It involves a cultivating, cultivating a deep personal relationship with Him. As we were talking in the life group earlier today, and I made a statement that too often in the church today, we show up, we expect to be entertained. We expect to have the pastor, whomever it may be, stand up and preach to us. And we walk away saying, I got my church this week, and then we do nothing else the rest of the week to develop and cultivate our relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not my job. It's not the job of the worship team for you to cultivate your own lives that's your responsibility I wish people and churches would wake up to that so we're to cultivate that light and as we cultivate it it can't help but shine on other people's paths let me remind you of some points that I made two weeks ago we discover the right path through the teachings of Jesus Christ we can do that corporately we can do it through Bible studies but we have a responsibility personally to do that we can discover those right teachings through Christ secondly we discover the right path through prayer we discover the right path through the presence of the Holy Spirit. We recognize the right path through the fellowship with other believers. We make choices based on long-term, not the short-term. You say, I'm tired of hearing that, because you've said it many times. But it's still the formula that gets us on a level of a deeper commitment that prepares us to be that light. Here's another thing we need to understand. Our call to be beacons of Christ's love involves the way we live our lives. As reflectors of Christ's light, 
there should be a marked difference in how a Christian lives and the rest of the world. And it's time for the church to stand up and recognize that. Because we don't look a whole lot different these days. We do much of the same thing that culture does. And with many, sadly, we show up a little bit, maybe twice a month to church and say we're different. But we have to reflect how we're different and how Jesus is different from all the other religions in the world is the love that he showed and that's what we should reflect our actions, our words our attitudes reflect the love of Christ doesn't mean we have to be perfect we all make mistakes fall short but when we do we should be quick to seek forgiveness, quick to make amends, quick to get back up and continue shining the light of Christ. Here's another thing we should understand. Our call to be beacons of Christ's love involves the impact we have on the world around us. As we allow this light of Christ to shine through us, we have an opportunity to do something that no other entity no other religion really no other government can do we have an opportunity as his church to bring hope and healing and grace to the broken world that we're a part of amen tell me what other entity has the ability to do that we have an opportunity to point others to Christ, to show them His love, and to invite them to join us in discovering this incredible treasure that we've found. doesn't mean that being a beacon of Christ's love is always easy. It's not. It requires us to step out of that comfort zone, to be visible, to make a difference. It requires us to have cultivate a deeper relationship with Christ that takes effort but despite the challenges that we all face of time restraints and responsibilities can I tell you it will be worth it it always is there's nothing like a feeling of when we've been used by God and someone has changed the course of their path because we took the time to be a light to them. So we're called to bring hope and healing through our actions. We do this by being visible. We have a call to be visible. In the, in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus uses the metaphor, metaphor of a city on a hill, a city that cannot be hidden. As I was thinking about this, I couldn't help but go back in my mind to when I was a little kid riding in my dad and mom's 1962 Volkswagen Bug about the only car that dad could afford at the time he wrecked it mom wrecked it and they still drove it I remember as a little boy when we lived in the country in Brush Creek 
This was long before Nashville had started expanding and development was happening all up and down I-40. We would come into Nashville at night, and when we did at night, we would be driving in from the east, and there's a certain place that you would get to somewhere between Mount Julia and Percy Priest Dam. And as we came up uh, to the top of that hill, because there were no lights around anywhere else, you could see the gleam of the city of Nashville. And as little boys, we were like, we can't wait to see the gleam. We didn't see much gleam in Brush Creek. It's fascinating to us. And if we were doing something fighting usually in the back seat, we would stop when we knew that we were getting close so he could see the gleam, as we called it. There were certain places, there are certain places out here in Nolansville where you can get high enough on the hills and certain nights you look around and you look to the north, you see Nashville. You look to the west and you see Franklin. You look to the east, you see Smyrna. You look to the southeast and you see Murfreesboro. You don't actually see the cities. You see the glow, the gleam of the city. It can't be hidden. The city can't be hidden in the night when our lights are burning. It's visible for people to see from miles away. Stands out, shines brightly, serves as a beacon of light in the darkness. In the same way, that's what our faith should look like. Glowing, gleaming, shining brightly as beacons of light in the darkness. Next, we're called to illuminate. Jesus uses this metaphor of a lamp on a stand. A lamp on a stand gives light to everyone in the house. It illumines the surrounding and dispels the darkness. We're called to dispel the darkness of sin and suffering and despair and the, with the light of hope and healing and grace. We're called to inspire inspire others through our actions. We're called to live out our faith in such a way that others are inspired to seek God, to know Him, to glorify Him. This inspiration is not about... Let me just back up and say, I loved how Kelly said in his prayer what the worship team did this morning. It is not about them. It's about who we serve. It's inspiration so that others will want to serve. We're not about impressing others with our deeds, but about impressing others to seek God. It's about living out our faith in such a way that others are drawn to the love and the grace that is found in God. 
The Greek word for light in this passage, I did learn to say this one. Phos. I think it's, you hear it here when it said phosphorus. The word is used number, numerous times throughout the New Testament to refer to both physical light and spiritual light. John 1 talks about this. In him was life, and the life and, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not come overcome it. That word is referring to Jesus as being the light. And even the darkness of sin and death could not overcome it. Ephesians 5.8, Paul writes, For you were once darkness but now you are the light of the world live as children of light this represents the the transformation that has happened within you when you come to know Christ we are transformed from this darkness into light we're called to live as children of light and in that we're called to serve called to serve others, to use our gifts and talents and resources to meet the needs of others. We're called to share, to share the good news of Christ, His love and His grace. We're called to do this in this broken world we live in. It is broken. Amen? This world is broken. And the only true hope for the world it's found in Jesus Christ. I've come to recognize through the years that everyone's light, while it reflects the true light of Christ, how it reflects is different. Because we all have different talents. We all have different skills and different abilities. And some of us reflect Christ's light in some really bright manner, while others might be a little more hidden in how you reflect light. I was reminded of that this past week. One Friday, we celebrated the homegoing of Judy Harrison, which is Joyce Center's sister. Had the privilege of leading the memorial service where several friends and family spoke. One family member could not be here. Judy's son, Mitch, or Mitchell. So I was asked to read a letter that Mitch wrote. I don't know how you could sit down really and trying to sum up uh, how special a mom is in a short letter, but he was able to do an incredible job in sharing some thoughts. Can I tell you that the reason that Mitchell was not going able to be with us is because he's incarcerated. You see, years ago, he went down the wrong path got mixed up with a 
several guys that were on the wrong path. And something terrible happened one night when a young man was killed by some of the guys that Mitchell was with. So Mitchell's paying the price for that. He's been incarcerated 27 years. He has at least seven more years before he'll see freedom again. Going down the wrong path takes you places where you don't need to go. And there are consequences for it. So I pick up part of his letter where he talks about him and his sister. These are his words. Now, as for us kids, I'm sure Tracy, that's Judy's daughter, would say that she gave mama trouble, but make no mistake, I was her problem child. The troubles I caused, I'm still paying for them today. And through it, without judgment and without unconditional love, He's talking about his mother. He says, she's been my rock, my source of strength, period. Now, don't get me wrong. God has been and will be the ultimate source, but he used her as a vessel with me the majority of the time. And can I just tell you, stop and say that since Mitchell has been incarcerated, his path has changed, and he's very much involved in Bible studies in prison. In fact, he's been leading many of those Bible studies, and he has worked in the chaplain's office. He's been involved in trying to turn other people that he's incarcerated with into following the right path. But he goes on and he says this about his mom. For example, mama had this strange thing with lighthouses. I mean, borderline obsession. She had the whole sunroom at the house laden with these things. Big, little, pictures. I mean, all sorts of them. Almost everything had something to do with the lighthouses. And for a long time, I... I didn't know what to think about them, so I joked and poked fun at her about them. Watch this. Some years later, God showed me that they were the type of spirit she possessed. She was a guiding light to the people in dark times and the storms in their lives. She realized that she has, I realized that she has guided me through countless storms, and maybe she has with some of you here. She always knew what to say in the right times to save them, even when I didn't want to listen. The one, that is one thing I'll miss most. With that said, he goes on to share some other thoughts about his mother. Now, who would have ever imagined that having a collection of lighthouses, a small thing in the bigger scheme of things, that God will eventually use that to shine a right path on where her son should go. We all have these different ways, different times, and different opportunities that we can become a pathfinder 
to someone. It doesn't always have to be huge. It might be some word that's said. It might even be that we don't even recognize it. We don't even know that we've done it, and that's okay too. But yet through our actions and through our consciousness of become, trying to be a light for Christ, we, we do something through, through some action or some deed. Maybe it is in a huge way. Great. Wonderful. But it's recognition of whatever talent it is that God has given to each of us that we don't take it like he says and hide it under a bushel. That we're like people in the past like those pathfinders who found a way to light the path in this dangerous world we live in. Are you a pathfinder? Do you see a need for it? Would you bow your heads in prayer, please? Somehow, Father, could we just see that we really are in a broken world? And sometimes, Father, I think we just kind of look around and we say, well, what's the use? I've found my treasure. I don't need to worry about anyone else. I I'm good. I've settled the account with you, God, so that's all that matters. And yet, so much of the teachings of Jesus Christ says, no, it's more than that. You're to be a light. You're to be shining in the darkness. really fulfill the purpose that you've given to us. Pray, Father, if there's someone here today, maybe even right now, you are laying on someone's heart another person who's on the, right path, on the wrong path. They need to turn, repent, And pray that somehow you'll use that person to share your goodness, your mercy, your love, your grace. Maybe there's someone here, Father, that they've yet to find that path that leads them to you, to Jesus Christ. Pray today they will get on that path and seek forgiveness. And there they'll find it just by asking, accepting your love, accepting your grace, accepting Jesus in their life. So coming to this invitation, Father, if you find there's anything that we need to do 
that we will not hold back. We will, we will, if need be, come to this altar and spend time with you, spend time with one of our pastors, just to, to slow down and allow you to speak to us through the presence of the Holy Spirit. Would you do that right now and find us saying yes as we stand and as we sing? I need thee every hour, most gracious Lord. No tender voice like thine can peace afford. I need thee. as you spoke into so many lives that are here in this place when we proclaimed our guilt toward you through sin in a way we said I need you you came in transformed us gave us a hope gave us a future gave us an eternity And may we take that message from this place and share that same goodness and light to others. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Maybe see it, please. Amen. Thank you. Just want to draw a couple of things to your attention real briefly here. Um, this Saturday, March the 2nd, 8.30 a.m., 
We invite all of our ladies to come and join us for But First Jesus, a wonderful time of coffee, uh, conversations in Jesus. And um, it's been something that I know the ladies have, have found um, to be a priority to come and be a part of this. So if you haven't done that, this would be a great opportunity. Um, this is the week. We've been talking about these for the last few weeks, but these Bible studies, ladies and guys, um, and they're all, all the information is here. Um, and there's several t different times of the week, but this is that week that all those Bible studies are beginning. So uh, you're not behind the ball at all, but if you're on the fence, we encourage you to uh, really think hard about that and uh, get started in those Bible studies on time. If you're a, a lady and you're wanting to jump into a time of, of accountability, fellowship, Bible study, uh, see Lynn or one of the ladies that, that are leading that at the end of service. They'd be glad to give you information. And then um, also our men's study is going to be um, starting back. Uh, they, they took a little bit of break, but they're gonna be in the book of Romans. And that starts up on Tuesday. You can see Danny if you're interested in that. And then um, I saw you grab this. You want to talk about this? I'm going to let, let you have it then. You're going to let me have it. <laughs> that could be taken in different ways. Um, here, come here a minute, please. Take that, please. Was that difficult? No. Hard? No. Give it back to me. Okay. Thank you. Was that difficult? No. Very easy, wasn't it? This right here is a real simple, easy, 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 easy way to be a pathfinder. You, found, you may have found one laying in the seat as you came in. Let me encourage you to take this and give it to someone. Invite them to church. You don't even have to say anything. Just take it. I don't know if you can take stuff like this to work, but take it and stick it by their coffee cup or take it and lay it on their desk or put it in somebody's mailbox after the mail comes and, you know, break the law. It's okay. I give you permission to do so. <laughs> Not that that means anything, but there you go. But it's real easy. Just take this. It's a real simple invitation to come be a part of our Easter services We've got actually four opportunities that are on the back of this to invite someone. There's, there's an opportunity to do the Easter egg hunt on March 24th. That's going to be here in a very short period of time. Also, we're going to this year, for the first time, we're going to have, and I don't think we've ever done this as a church, is have a Good Friday service starting at 6.30 on March 29th. That is Good Friday, okay? But then to come back Easter Sunday on March 31st. Easter comes early this year. Uh, we're not having to deal with spring break. It's over with. But um, invite someone to come to Easter service or the week following, kind of a comeback Sunday. Uh, if you have know of families with little kids, we're going to have Meet the Heroes event where we're going to have some superheroes who are going to come and, and have lunch with, with some kids. We're going to talk about the one real superhero. There's only one, you know. But we're going to use other superheroes that are out there to try to entice people to get to know the real hero. Okay? So it's a great opportunity to be a what? A path what? Are you a pathfinder? Easy enough to take this and become one. All right? Thank you so much for being here. Are we done? Is that it? Ready to go home? Yes, sir. Oh, yes, come on. Thank you. 
for reminding me. Keegan, we need to find you a microphone. Microphone, microphone beside you. Your wife is covering you. Hey, did you all notice we had two redheads on stage this morning? Actually, three. Three. Yeah, you're looking at me like, your hair's not red. It used to be. It used to be. See what you got to look forward to? I'm still, I'm still impressed it's not gray. I don't think you're wrong. Am I not Where's it? Right here? Try it. Nope. Try it. Check, check, check. Can you hear me? Okay. Uh, hello, Sunset Hills. Uh, as we shared last week, we have formed a transition leadership team. The goal of this team is to create a congregational profile of our church. This profile will answer important questions like, what is our history and our DNA? Who are we today? And where are we going? Our past, present, and future. The way to be most successful is to have the congregation involved. To facilitate this, we're going to have a series of three discussions as a church body over lunch after church. Uh, and we've tentatively have those towards the end of April, May, and June. Uh, each discussion will center around one of these questions we are answering, our past, our present, and future. Uh, we ask that you actively pray for this process, and we sp ask specifically that you pray God's will be done. Nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. Thank you. Thank you, Keegan. Keegan, along with several others, are co-chairing this team and doing a great work. Spent a lot of time here this past week, and you'll be hearing more and more from them as the process goes forward. Ready to go home? Yep. Well, let's stay and do it again. I don't know. <laughs> Would you please stand? Thank you, Father. Hey, good morning. We this is Kelly. I want to take a moment to personally thank Christ you help us for joining us for today's live stream. I hope today's message was encouraging and inspiring for you. You know what? We would love to hear from you. If you're here today and you made a decision for Christ, or maybe you just have a simple prayer request, we would love to know about that. You can text the word prayer to 615-776-1807. One of her pastors will be back in touch with you. Hey, if you're in the neighborhood, we'd love to see you in person. You can join us for life groups at 9 a.m., or blended worship at 10 a.m. And let me say this, from your youngest family member to your family member that has the most years of life experience, we have a place for you. You know, I believe that we're living in unprecedented times. People all around us are looking for sources of hope. And you and I, we both know where that hope is found. We have a God who loves us, and he wants to meet us right where we are. But you know what? He loves us too much to keep us there. So come and join us, whether online or in person. We would love to shake your hand, give you a smile, and do life with you here at Sunset Hills. Have a great week, everybody.